Welcome to the Red Dirt America podcast. I'm Chuck Taylor, and this week on the podcast, we talk with Rodney Crowell about the pandemic, his new album, Triage, and the song that changed his life. That's next on the Red Dirt America podcast. I, I know that somehow, some way right then, I decided that I was going to figure out how to do that. I pledge allegiance. I pledge allegiance. Pledge allegiance to real country music. This is Red Dirt America with Chuck Taylor. First of all, thank you for agreeing to do the interview, man. Uh, we've, we've got to talk many times over the years, and it's always a pleasure to get to talk with you. Yes, sir. I remember. Let's talk about this new album. It's called Triage. And, and we've been playing the first single off of it. Something yeah. has to change. I love the horns. It is, <laughs> is really something different, in, not in music itself, but in, in your music out there, having those, those horns. Is, it, is that a trombone or a, a, a trumpet that you're using on that? It's a trombone. I and so. th thank you for, for noticing. Um, I had the track recorded, and, and we had, you know, your standard brilliant guitar solo on it by, you know, Ollie Freed or Stuart Smith, one of the guitar gods from around here. And and, and I said, you know, uh, you know, with all due respect, you know, beautiful, but I, I have a long history of great guitar soloists on my records and, and on stage with me. I said, let's try something different. So we scratched our head for a while. We tried a few things, and nothing really was surpassing the guitar. And then we, I, I thought about a trumpet, and I was thinking, you know, what would Louis Armstrong play? And the, with the trumpet really would have been too high and too thin. So um, I hit on, on trombone, and my producer, Dan Nobler, I said, you know, he's from New York and came yeah. through the uh, the NYU School of Record Production, Clive Davis School of Record Production. And I said, you know all the jazz musicians up there in New York. I said, you know a good trombone player. This was during pandemic. Yeah. And so we sent him files up there and, and uh, you know, talked to – it's a guy named Ray Mason. Talked to him on the phone and I said, hey, get your trombone and put a plunger, you know, stopper in it and play something kind of bluesy like Louis Armstrong might have played if he was on a, on a trombone. And that's what he sent back with just that little bit of information. Isn't that nice? It's gorgeous. It, it's, it's, it's almost like the trombone is crying and, yeah. and, and it's right there in the song. And it, it just, to me, it adds more emotion into it than, than a guitar solo would. Oh yeah, absolutely, and and also surprise, surprise, surprise! What is this? Yeah, exactly, it, it was fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah. so, tell me about this album. Tell me about Triage. Triage. Uh, there's a song. Uh, the very first song that I wrote, really, that pointed the way was a song called Triage. And and a, a friend of mine, you probably know of him, Joe Henry, producer mm -hmm. and songwriter. He was he was facing some serious health issues you know and uh but he he was facing it you know with real true heroic bravery i mean he he's good now he you know he's in remission he's good uh but i was just so impressed i said i need to make him a song you know he, he gets to have a song for this it was inspiring and so when i was thinking about joe i was just thinking about well it just can't be everyday stuff it's got to be something 
you know, elevated something, you know, trying to reaching for the stars are, you know, and, and uh, I was thinking about with him, it was like, okay, let me try to capture something along the lines of universal love rather than boy and girl love. It's a medical term, but I, it was metaphoric for me, which is, you know, figuring out the things that we need to do first, you know, and, uh, and the first thing we need to do is all love each other. Right. And that's basically what the song is. Well, it, it, to me, it's a perfect way to emerge from this year and a half almost that we've gone through. Uh, it, it, it's been a trying time for, for musicians and for everybody. Uh, I think uh, the music industry truly affected because artists like yourself were not uh, able to get out and play in front of people. And that's what you live for. And it, it was taken away from you, and it, it made it really hard uh, to enjoy music when you, you, you can't go out there and see it live. I love listening to music, but there's something uh, about going and seeing a show in person that transcends everything. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a gathering, uh, you know, it's a gathering of, of folks of whatever the size of the audience is all focused on one thing, and that, that particular song and that particular performance. But Chuck, I'll tell you that I had a uh, – there was a good deal of um, pleasure that I got from from being isolated because I, I had some recording gear in my studio here where I am. And while I was locked in, I wrote quite a few songs and recorded them and played all of the instruments myself, went around wow. banging banging on the windows, seeing if I could make windows sound like drums and <laughs> and that kind of thing. So I truly enjoyed it. But you're right. It's like these songs that, you know, I used to talk to Guy Clark about it and we would say, you know, these songs aren't really ready and we can't really call them, call them songs until we've played them in front of people. And that's, w- that's when they breathe life. Yeah, that's when you know. And uh, so... Yeah, it's it's you know now that we're we're getting ready to go back out and perform, I actually went down to Luckenbach to perform for the Jerry Jeff Walker tribute concert, and and I could tell musicians and audience alike we were all on fire. We were really on fire. There was nothing wrote or uh, uh, and in any way you know just going through the motions. It was like. Like, the, you know, your first teenage band, you know, when you're just dying to play music. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to this tour and I will be in Dallas and uh, I'm looking forward to it because I know that we'll be, you know, we'll be on fire playing and, and, and I expect the audience will be so appreciative and so happy to be back in the seats that it, it should be, you know, a real gathering. It should be so much fun. Plus the Kessler, and you know this place, it's such a great listening room. Yeah, that's what you do there, isn't it? That's exactly what you do. In Texas, we have listening rooms. We don't have concert venues. We have listening rooms. Well, you got some concert venues there, but they're they're huge, so huge that, you know, you can't hardly uh, get that up close and, and personal thing that you get at the Kessler, you know. You were doing that song uh, when I, when I first came on when I logged on to uh, to talk with you. Uh, can you tell me about that that song and and then maybe do it for us? I can, and I, I'm I'm not ashamed to say that I told a lie, and it was, and uh, I don't know why I did that, but I did, 
and I realized that I was going to get busted. It wasn't, you know, something that was dangerous with my wife or anything like that, but, but it's just one of those little white ones that I was going to have to own up to. And uh, so the first thing I did to practice apologizing was to write an, a song. And basically, I think the song really is sort of a prayer, like, to oneself, you know, it's like, hey, okay, I made a mistake. Don't give up on me. I've been a liar. I have been a true. I've compromised myself. But I'll make it up to you. I'll beg your forgiveness. Shatter your faith in me Has torn my whole world apart Don't leave me now I don't know how much more I can say Don't leave me now There's no right way there's no wrong way There's only your way In spite of all the shame on me I'll shoulder all the blame You'll see a different man I pledge my very soul to you I'd die before I'd ever do you wrong again Life has very simple laws To profit from the pain you cause A man must pay Never knows if time will close A book on how the story goes I dare not say
I've made I will someday fade Into the evening shade Wow, that is so powerful and so relatable. Uh, I mean, as a married man myself, we're coming up on our 20th anniversary. I I hear that. And, you know, we've all made those little mistakes every once in a while. And we're like, you know, don't let this mistake be the one, you know? Yeah. yeah, Please don't let it be over. (laughs) And that's such a relatable song. I found myself lost in it, listening to it. It is. I I love that. Thank you. I'm, I'm. I appreciate that so much. I can't tell you how much. Because, you know, you, I make these songs, I write them, and I want them, if, I, I keep thinking, well, if they work for me, there's a good chance they'll work for somebody else. And that's, you know, I start there, and if I think I've got it right, then I cross my fingers. And, you know, when you give me some feedback like that, I, I feel, uh, you know, I really f- feel good about the work and think, oh, okay, you know. Maybe, you know, I'm not kidding myself that I actually know what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) I think after all these years, you've earned the right to know what you're doing. (laughs) Well, at least to think I know what I'm doing. Uh, you know, this. Uh, we were talking earlier about how how tough this last uh, year and a half is. We've we've lost some of our kind of music heroes. Like uh, you mentioned, Jerry Jeff Walker. We also lost John Prine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we lost Billy Joe Shaver. That uh, we did. You know, we we lost even Charlie Daniels. Some of, some of the greats in yeah. in our music. Charlie Pride. Charlie Pride. We lost him yeah. too. Joe Joe Diffie. Yes, sir. It it's been a tough year for. Uh, for everybody in, in country music in, in particular, music, in, you know, um, in particular as well, when you think about the last year and you talked a little bit about getting to uh, to, to write new stuff and experiment, um, what's the biggest thing you learned about yourself during this last year and a half? I've learned that um, I could be happy if. Uh, if you took it away from me, as long as I could continue writing, I, I could, I could, I could, let me put it this way. I could, I could give up performing if I had to, as long as I could write uh, both songs and prose, you know, to write, write books. I've, I've written a book before. Yeah. Tar Paper as Sky. Lo- yeah. As long as I can do that, uh, you know, and be close to my family, which I was. My, you know, my four daughters and their uh, various husbands live within, you know, yelling distance nearly of me. They're certainly in the Nashville area. So I'm lucky that way. And I'm a patriarch. I have grandchildren and, and I'm kind of the center because I'm the oldest, really. It's not because I'm the smartest, but I'm the oldest. <laughs> And uh, and it's a it's it's a blessed thing, and I and I could be really happy uh, having a little garden, yeah, and ri- writing songs and writing you know some prose, writing some books. Uh, yeah. But I but I do. But then again, it's like I would have to mourn not performing because I'm an introvert, but I'm also an extrovert. It's, it's funny. I'm, I'm sort of a split personality. I like being in front of people on a stage and performing. So. I don't know what to tell you other than <laughs> I, I, I have both. <laughs> you know, that's 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 something interesting that you say that. Um, 
I myself, uh, very introverted in public, but when I get behind the microphone, when I get behind the radio, it, uh, it's, it's like you become a different person. I think there's a lot of us in the entertainment industry that are that, are that way. Certainly there are some that are not, that get into it because they are extro- extroverts 100%. But some of us sure. uh, who are introverts, this is our way to to express ourselves. Yeah. And, and, you know, we are as creative as, as the extroverts in our own way. And, uh, you know, a lot of good stuff has come from we introverts. <laughs> <laughs> who, uh, who, who is your uh, favorite hero uh, of fiction? Because you, you talk about like, liking to write prose. Yeah. Uh, who, who's your favorite hero of fiction? Wow. Hero of fiction. Um, I would think that probably it would be, in, on some days, it would be Jonathan Franzen mm-hmm. and uh, Michael Chabon, who wrote uh, Wonder Boys, and uh, oh, he wrote this other beautiful book I read this summer. I, I was a big fan of Anne Rice, as you know, when she was writing all of the New Orleans vampire books. Uh, um, and then, you know, then again, you, you got to come back and Charles Dickens. Yeah. You know, he, he and also Mark Twain. I mean, there's something about Mark Twain and Charles Dickens that the, the child is alive and well inside of them. And uh, and so there, there's joy and there's humor and there's darkness. And yeah, I've, I've kind of skirted around and I'm going to go. Dickens and and Mark Twain tie. All right, Dickens and Mark Twain. That's a, that's a good that's a good pairing. I'm uh, I, I lean towards Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, mm. I love I love okay. Poe's work. Yes. Um, and and when you talk poetry, I'm a big Robert Frost fan. Ah, yes, I understand. I understand Robert Frost. I would in poetry. There's a guy named C.K. Williams that I, I'm a, a a devotee of. And uh, Wilfred Owen, you know, the World War I uh, Brit poet who, who passed away, who, who died, you know, in France at 22 or 3 or something like that. Um, and then there's Seamus Heaney. So, uh, and you know what? And there's Towns Van Zandt and Guy Clark and Willie Nelson and <sighs> yeah, Billy Joe Shaver and Chris Christopherson and Johnny Cash. Yeah. And, I could, and I could rattle on for another 5, 10 minutes on that. Probably on that, yeah. Uh, Chris didn't Chris just announce this year that uh, he's retiring, right? Uh, and Delbert announced the same thing this year. Oh wow! I I, I I did know about Chris, but I didn't know about Delbert. Well, darn it! Yeah. Um, you got to get out and see your heroes. Yeah. While they're well, still touring. Yeah. Well, luckily, I, I see them both around Nashville once in a while, away from. From um, you know, I guess with with Chris, uh, if he's really returned, he's going to be in Maui. Uh, we may not be seeing him for a while. Whoa, it's a, that's a you know, that's a lot to take in. You know, after the pandemic and losing John Prine and Billy Joe, you know, and then to think that Delbert's going to step down and you know, and, and Chris and <laughs> Willie. 
can't step down. No. <laughs> you know, Willie's got to Willie's got to be the energizer bunny. He's got to go until the battery runs out. You know? I, I think I think he will go uh, till till the battery runs out completely. Plus, he's got that Fourth of July thing that he's got to put on again. You know, uh, now that uh, now that we're getting closer and closer back to normal, he's got to yeah. do something like that again. You know. Sure. Yeah. Let me ask you this: If uh, Years from now, somebody, uh, whether in Nashville or, or maybe in, uh, in Houston uh, at a sandwich shop, makes the Rodney Krause sandwich. What, mm. would, what would be on the Rodney Krause sandwich? Oh, man. Woo. Okay. Bacon. <laughs> yeah. Lettuce. Yeah. Tomato. Some Havarti cheese. Oh, God. I mean, really. What kind this, of bread would you put it on? Oh, well, there's a participant. You know, I've had to go gluten-free, and I don't even know the name of the bread. Uh, it, it's As long as you toast it, it's beautiful. It's a it's the best toast I've ever had it, as, as bread by itself. Um, it doesn't stand up. So I just, you know, I just have to put it on, you know, some whole wheat bread. Yeah. You know, but I'd also have to throw some, smash up some avocado and put it on my sandwich. There you go. Sounds like a, sounds like a good sandwich. So somebody, if you're out there listening, you need to come up with a Rodney Krause sandwich <laughs> and we've got it for you right there. Yeah. Well, there's, you know, my brother Faring there that runs, runs his restaurant. Maybe he'll pick up on it and put one. <laughs> there you go. So you're uh, coming to town on, on July 31st. You're going to be playing at the Kessler. Uh, I know we expect some mu- music off of Triage because the album's coming out the week before you come to town. True. Um, and obviously you'll probably do the, uh, the one you just did. What else can we expect out of that show? Well, here's what I'm pondering and having been, you know, in isolation for, for a while, I had a little time to think about myself and think about it. And people have been very patient with me. The people who are loyal and show up time and again to these performances that I give have always been very tolerant of my, uh, I don't always play this, the quote-unquote hits. I usually sprinkle some of them in there, but I, I always kind of tried to live by the notion if my new songs weren't good enough to hold an audience's attention I should I should stand down pretty dramatic thing to put on oneself but it's, it's sort of leading up to I've been thinking I want to do some of my songs from, from album cuts that that I always wanted to do and never got around to doing because I was always working and didn't take the time to consider that maybe I want to get get back and do something like from an album of mine that I always really liked and thought it was a really well-written song but just never performed it. And I'm thinking that this time that, you know, when the people come to hear me play, they're always very patient and tolerant with me. And, and I think if I let them know, hey, you know, I hope you enjoy this, but I want to play some, some of my more obscure songs that – I still think are worth playing for you. Generally speaking, the audiences that come to see me are very uh, willing to go that way with me. And so that's what I'm definitely going to do the new album. And I'll do, you know, songs that I just have to do that, that 
you know, I have to sing till I gain control again or leaving Louisiana broad daylight. Those are just the rules. Yeah. But, um, you know, some, some of these other songs that, you know, like, ain't nobody going to tear my playhouse down. I loved it, loved when we wrote it and recorded it, but I never played it live. So I'm going to take this opportunity to trot out some things that I've never done before. I think that's going to be fantastic. Uh, I know you recently uh, worked with a young lady. Uh, she was doing um, uh, an album called Waylon Songs, and you did uh, Ain't Living Long Like This with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's Shannon. Right. Shannon. Shannon. Uh, Shannon McNally. McNally, yeah. That that turned out really well. Yes, it did. And I, I I'm, you know, I produced Shannon's uh, album before that, and... So, uh, and I, you know, I was really harping on Shannon. I said, you're a great songwriter. You need, your next album needs to be all your own songs. And she said, yeah, 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 you're right. But then she went and recorded (laughs) (laughs) Waylon's songs. And I said, Shannon, you know, and then I heard it and I said, oh, hang on. Uh, (laughs) Okay. I get it. All right. I'll stand down. Do you think she's going to be one of the next big uh, breakouts? In, in 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 maybe Americana, if not mainstream country, mainstream country's been really turning poppy lately. They they don't. I I don't think they corporate uh, Nash, yeah. Nashville gets real country music anymore. But the fans still want it. It's and it's pretty yeah. obvious down here in Texas. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the, it's you know, it's always a changing world. And 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 I, you know, I get the. You know, I get radio, you know, I mean, radio survives and thrives on, you know, their ad campaigns they run. You know, they need they need to, to be putting those ads out there. And the, uh, you know, the, the music that they play really needs to reflect, you know, most of their ad campaigns. So I get that. Uh, Shannon might be too funky, you know, because she, <laughs> she, she, she's got, you know, she slings it from the hip. And uh, she's, but she's a sweetheart. If the folks got to know her, you know, and, and see what a big old heart she's got, and and she and, and she's absolutely drop dead gorgeous. And she, I mean, she's got, and she sings like a bird. And you know, she's she lived in New Orleans, she lived in Austin, and she comes from Long Island. She she's a northerner, but she's got a southerner soul, you know, and. Uh, Everybody knows who knows her loves her, and I would, uh, you know, I would love to see her break out. And you know, I, ju- I just produced uh, an, an album on a young man from Fort Worth named Vincent Neil Emerson. Yes, sir. And Vincent, man, he's in that tra- he's in that tradition of Billy Joe and and Towns and Guy Clark and and uh, you know. B.W. Stevenson, he, he reminded me a lot of B.W. Stevenson, and and I produced his album, and he wrote all the songs, and and man, he's got it. He's got that thing that Texas songwriters have when they really pay attention, you know, and, and he pays attention to Willie and Chris and all of those that have gone before, but he's got his own thing, and, and his album is just released, and I think he's going to be around for a while. Yeah. I, I think you're right. I, I know Vincent Neal, and uh, he's uh, fantastic. Uh, so I, you know, and I, I listened to the album. I got an I got an advanced copy uh, a couple of weeks ago and listened to it. It's a fantastic album. Yeah. Let me leave you with this last question. 
what song changed your life? Hmm. Probably, probably no one will ever know. Why? Hank William, a Hank Williams song. I must have been four, maybe five. My dad was a was a much better singer than I am. He didn't write songs, but he had it. And he, you know, he played local honky tonks and you know ice houses and beer joints. You know, around uh, East Houston when I was a kid. But he was sitting when I was about four. He was sitting on the bed singing that Hank Williams song. No one will ever know. My heart is breaking each time the past comes back to haunt me so. I'll cry myself to sleep, then wake up laughing. You've heard me, but no one will ever know. You know, Hank Williams classic. Yeah. And uh, my father was singing, and I was playing with some toys on the floor, and I just remember looking up, and, and I felt that song in my heart. And I didn't have, you know, the wherewithal to process the thought behind it, but I have never forgotten the feeling that it gave me in my heart. And it was sad. It made me sad. And I, I know that somehow, some way right then, I decided that I was going to figure out how to do that. And it no doubt changed my life because I've, I've made my living making songs all of my adult life, and and surely it was that song and my father performing it that did it. What a wonderful story, Rodney Crow. Thank you, man. It is always yeah. a, always a pleasure to talk with my, you. My pleasure. Thank you, sir. Yeah, you stay well, stay safe, and you know I'll be happy to see you next time I do. Yes, sir. Happy to see you next time I see you.